Hi. That was Brittany. And that's Jonathan. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome to the New Year 2020. Uh, this Today we're going over Lesson 1, the new quarter, and it's titled An Undelivered Gift. All right. So the scripture story is Deuteronomy 32. Uh, the end of the story is Deuteronomy 32, verse 12, verse 13, verse 19 to 21, and verse 44 to 52. Yeah, we know it's a lot of skipped stuff, but uh, just read the whole chapter. It'll it's make more sense. More beneficial to read the whole chapter. Yep. Uh, the commentary is Prophets and Kings, the introduction. All right. And uh, yeah, the key text is Deuteronomy 32, verse 9. Alright, so the summary of the story, uh, you'll read the end of the story and you'll be like, this doesn't make much sense because I skipped over a lot in Deuteronomy chapter 32. But the summary is pretty much God gave um, pretty much a story, like a poem for Moses to tell to the Israelites. And it was God saying, you know, you're, you know, pretty much going and doing your own thing. You're feasting on this stuff. You're doing this. You're not following my ways. So I'm kind of angry with you guys, and I'm going to, like, not, like, help you guys, etc. Because, you know, I'm a jealous God, and all you do is anger me with worthless idols. And so Moses told all the children of Israel what God had told him. And he said, uh, take to heart these words. Um, they're pretty much life to you. They're not just words on pieces of paper. You're supposed to make them part of your life. And then... God showed Moses the promised land and told them, you're going to go on to uh, Mount Nebo and you're going to die there. You're not going to see the promised land because you disobeyed me. And uh, yeah, that summarizes the lesson. So this week's lesson, uh, we're going to focus on God's character. So to start that discussion, what is God's attitude towards his chosen people at this point in Deuteronomy 32? I'd say his attitude towards his people is he's, he, he, he's a little anger. He's a little angry. Um, he's a little annoyed. Uh, because when you look at it this way, uh, uh, his people, he brought them out of Egypt. He brought them to the promised land and they keep like disrespecting him by not following what he said he's like hey who brought you out of egypt was it this god was it that god was this god no it was me put some respect on my name and they're not so he's like kind of like meh he's kind of like annoyed with them right now so so for anyone reading the chapter that we read today it's easy for them to think that god is an angry god and that he doesn't think of our well-being. So how can we say that we worship this God if he seems so angry and wrathful? Let me reset. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. There you go. All right. God has never changed. A lot of people talk about how God was, he was this mean, angry, you know, like moody God in the New Old Testament and the New Testament. It's all like, yeah, love and peace and just like happiness and harmony. God's the same person. All right. It was Jesus Christ throughout the entire Old Testament to New Testament. All right. And so during the Old Testament, 
God had to set the baseline with his people of like, hey, don't disrespect me, all right? I'm the one who's doing all the saving of you here right now, all right? Put some respect on my name. And yes, the Bible does say he's a jealous God, but they, it says it with reason. Um, so what do you think that God is a jealous God in the same sense that, you know, in a relationship, your girlfriend would be jealous or that, you know, someone got a better job than you and you're jealous of them? Is that the same kind of jealous, do you think? No. Um, God is more, um, as like the definition of jealous uh, states, like he's intolerant of our unfaithfulness. He's intolerant of rivalry. He is very hostile to any rivalry. Because when you think of it from God's perspective, God is the only God. All right, he said he's the only God. You can ask any other God to do stuff for him, and he's like, but I'm the only God. Mm. All right? So he shouldn't have any rivalry. All right? Because everything else is fake. All right? So he's sitting there like, why are you playing to that block of wood or that hunk of rock which I made? I made you, and you're praying to something that I also made. But not to me who I saved you. Like, guys, mm. what are you doing? So when God is a jealous God, that's what he's talking about, right? He's talking about how he does not stand unfaithfulness, mm. all right? So if he's not an angry God, why did he not let Moses into the promised land? Because Moses disobeyed him. It's... It's the leadership pyramid conundrum. I don't know, principle, whatever you want to call it. Anyways, mm -hmm. all right? Pretty much, imagine leadership as a pyramid, all right? I'm uh, borrowing this from uh, Mr. John C. Maxwell. You know, copyright goes to him, all right? Um, when you're at the bottom, there's so much space for you to walk around and move because it's huge. But the further up the pyramid you go, the less wiggle room you can do. You have to follow the straight and narrow. And from a biblical point of view, you have to continue moving on straight. Right? And when you're at the top, you have nowhere to go but straight. Right? But also, the higher up you go, when you fall, it hurts more. If you're at base level and you fall over, you, you hurt your butt a bit, but that's it. When you fall off the tip of the pyramid, you fall all the way down. Alright? And so, there are consequences for being chosen to lead God's people. There is great um, responsibility and respect, but there's also consequences when you don't do what you're supposed to. Moses didn't do what he was told, and because of that, he needed to be punished. And I think that, um, although, yes, he needed to be punished, it's not even because, it's not because God was mad at Moses, per se, because he still loves Moses and everyone that he created. God can't choose favorites. He doesn't because his law is the law. And if he had not reprimanded Moses for disobeying the law, then everyone under Moses would have said, oh, well, if Moses can get away with it, then so can I. And then the entire everything that God created would have tumbled and wouldn't have worked out in the way that he needs it to. So why do you think Moses said 
uh, in verse 47, they are not just idle words for you, they are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Why they're not idle words? Um, because the Bible is our manual for life. That's what God intended it to be. Alright? So He has a hat upside down on his head. It's very hard to take him seriously when he's sitting like this. Hey, don't judge me. It's 2020. I can do what I want. I can wear my hats how I like. Alright? Um... Yeah, see, you distracted me. I was going somewhere. The manual of life is the Bible. Yes, it is. All right? It's not just a suggestion. All right? God created life. God is is life. And he gave us a book to help us navigate life. Because it's God's way or death. That's how life works. Mm -hmm. All right? So... The Bible isn't a cheat code for us to use. It's the manual to life, and we need to bring that to everybody else. All right? It's not a cheat code that you're like, oh, I found this cheat code in the system. I'm just going to keep it all to myself, and I'll be able to hack my way through life. That's not... And we have a bad habit of viewing the Bible as a cheat code. Well, it's and it... Not. A cheat code is something that you use to be better than everybody else, but a manual is you have to do it this way or it will not work. Exactly. But also, it's something that, like, everyone should have. And if everyone doesn't have it, you should loan that to them. Because if mm -hmm. someone buys a new appliance, let's say um, a blender, and you you had the manual to the blender. You had a blender. You had the exact same model. You had the manual, and they don't. They're like, I have no idea how it works. It's got a screen. It's got, like, holographic display up. It's asking me. Its name is like Bobby or something like that. Alexa's angry with it. I'm angry with it. No one knows what's going on. And you're saying they're like, I had the manual. But you see it as a cheat code. You're like, nah, it's mine. I'm the only one who's going to be able to use my blender. Well, how are they going to be able to enjoy those blessed smoothies? They don't have the manual to figure out how the blender works. They're not. So we need to share the manual so everyone else can also enjoy the blessed smoothies that come from the new blender. Eventually, the person might figure out how to use the blender, but it takes time and it will be relentless pain and struggle. Have you ever tried to use a new tool and it didn't come with an owner's manual? How many people have tried to put up an Ikea shelf and they did not come with the instruction manual or the tools needed? You know how frustrating that is when mm -hmm. you realize, great, I have to go out, it's already late, and go buy a tool to build a stupid shelf because Ikea did not tell me I needed this tool. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have the instructions, you're trying to figure this out, and you're just angry. You may eventually get figured out, but now you hate that object with <laughs> exactly. a passion. You're just like, I want this like out of my sight. I don't want it to... No one touches this. No one's... It's the same thing with the Bible. It's the same thing with God. It's the same thing with the Word of God, all right? We need to share so people don't get angry and At not what? want to use the Bible and enjoy the sleep that comes with making that bed. But there's also the fact that without the Bible, people don't see the joy in life. They start to hate life because they don't see the purpose of it because they didn't read the manual. They don't understand. So stop seeing the Bible as a cheat code and start seeing it as a manual to share with others so they can experience. And they're not sitting there frustrated like, yo, 
I'm gonna be like, man, I'm so glad you showed up because if I didn't have this manual, you know how many hours I would have spent and how much stress and money I would have spent trying to figure out how many YouTube videos I would have to watch and like from some person who speaks this other language, I have no idea what they're doing. So yeah, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing the manual. So in the biblical passage that we just read uh, in Deuteronomy 32, um, we realize that God meant for Israel to be the salvation of the nations, but they only thought of themselves as receiving the gift. So they thought that it was a cheat code, that they were going to keep the cheat code, but God intended them to spread the news and give out manuals to everyone. They didn't understand the gift that they were, that they were to be for the rest of the world. They were to exemplify God's character on the earth for the world to see. So how can you better reflect God's character to those around you? Um, you need to live the life that he says in his manual. You need to use the appliance as stated. You need to mm. use, because everything is told, like all the manufacturers always tell you, use this appliance as we have stated. Do not use it. If you're using it wrong, no one's going to um, want to follow you or follow you and think that you're different. All right. No one's going to be able to think you're different if you're using it some, uh, you know, redneck way of using a blender or a dishwasher or a bed. You're just using it as a shelf. They're going to be like, OK, you're not different. Okay? You're just dumb. <laughs> you're, you're just like everybody else. You're just dumb. All right. But when we follow what the manual tells us to do specifically and we can actually maintenance and take care of it properly they're like you are different there's some you're taking care of life so much better you're taking care of yourself so much better you're living life differently what's different read the manual why does your machine look so much newer i read the manual why does it work so much better read the manual and so a lot of people especially in the age group that we're teaching to might find it very difficult to read the manual and understand the manual so how can we make it easier for them to read it so that they can glorify God through their existence? Um, reading the Bible in context and finding the proper translation for you, right? Mm -hmm. When you start realizing that you need to read the Bible, when you start understanding that the manual is important, you need to find the right translation for you at that point in your walk. As you progress further in your walk, you're translation your need of translations will change you might start with the message all right something that's more of um here's what the bible's probably trying to tell you it's more of the mess it's it's more the meaning instead of the word all right so you might start with a bible that's more meaning but then as your walk progresses you should move away from that because god can't speak to you through the words if someone's already interpreted them for you. Mm -hmm. So start with a easier to understand translation. Try to understand the general meaning that the Bible is portraying. But as your walk progresses, God's going to reveal different truths through the words that he's given you in his, in, in his books. All right. So start progressing and changing translations to try and find new understanding and new knowledge and let God actually speak to you. And that's how you'll be able to develop an even deeper relationship with God by understanding that manual on a different level and to understand it you need to not read it like a storybook but read it like a manual that you're reading every word and you're questioning everything 
question how to apply that to your life and make sure that you were using your appliance properly there's a poster in our classroom that has uh three things that you need to be thinking of when you're reading the bible and the first one is how does this apply to my life at this moment what was god trying to tell the people that he was talking to in the first place when it was written and what is he trying to tell us now as Christians? How does this apply to Christians as a whole now? Mm-hmm. That's very true. And there could be a, there could be millions of different answers for the same verse. Mm-hmm. You need to find the one that God's trying to tell you. In this moment. Because you could read one verse today. And then tomorrow it, it will mean something different to you. Because every day you're feeling something different, you're going through something different, and the, oh, that, that's why they say that the word is living, because it changes with what you're living. The Bible is alive, and it adapts, the body, the Bible is like the human body, it adapts to whatever situation it's put into, all right, wherever it is put, whoever it is around, the body will adapt, and so will the Bible. The Bible will adapt to you. It will adapt to try and teach you what you need to hear. Right? God will reveal the truths that you need to hear, not the truths that your mother needs to hear, unless you're, unless you're the one who's supposed to give them to her. All right. The, the Bible will always be, the Spirit will always move the words in a way that will help you during that point of life that you are in. So... I have a few questions that I'm going to ask you, but I want everyone listening to reflect on and think of not Jonathan's answer, but your answer to these questions. So do you look different or the same as the world around around you? And does anyone know that you're a Christian? Yeah, people know. I'm a lot more obvious about it than I used to be. Mm-hmm. So am I. I haven't been a Christian for very long, but <laughs> you need to get into that point in your walk. If you're not, if you're ashamed that you're a Christian, you need to read that manual a lot more. Because or rethink sh- whether or not you're actually a Christian. Don't yeah. say you're a Christian if you don't believe it. Yeah, because if you're if you're ashamed of God, God will be ashamed of you in mm-hmm. front of the Father. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. There's a question here that I think that everyone should ask themselves when they say that they want to be a christian that they want to follow god could you be the face that has to show the world who jesus christ is that's a that's a the man face right now. <laughs> but could i be it's a lot of responsibility but that's the responsibility that we have exactly and that's the responsibility we need to accept and live with mm-hmm. okay so At home, I want you guys to think of those questions that we just asked. Also, as an exercise, I want you to write down all the things that you think of when you hear the word evangelism. Because that's what we're called to do, is to evangelize and spread the good news. So I want you to think of what that actually means to you and how you can do that in your life. How can you be a blessing to everyone around you? But also, when you think of the word evangelism... Write down all the things that you think of, but then evaluate, are those things actually evangelism? Because some of us, 
might be thinking like Evangeline. The first thing that comes to my mind is uh, a pastor screaming at the audience mm. through a thing. Is that really evangelism? Are you really gonna reach people that way? Is that really what? Does that really portray God's character? A screaming pastor? No. So, once you're done writing down the different things that come to your mind when you think of evangelism, all right. Try and evaluate them and find out which one is true evangelism, which is the evangelism that God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. What's your calling? Where does he want you to spread the good news? Because a lot of people think, you know, to spread the good news, I have to become a pastor. But no, you don't. You can reach every single person that you meet in your everyday life. And God will put you in the place that he needs you to be the most, where you will thrive in spreading his message, no matter what other people think about that situation. I'm going to take a page from the book of Kevin Brett. If everyone brings plastic forks to a potluck, no one's eating. Mm. If everyone's a pastor, it's it's counterproductive. Because then everybody knows it. There's no one to spread the word to. Exactly. But also, if everyone's a pastor, they're all working in churches. Who's actually working in the local fields, mm-hmm. at school, at work? at the stores, here, there, like, who's witnessing to their neighbors if you're, if you're employed to stay at church? There are some people who are called to do that, who God wants them to do that. There are other people who are not called to do that. Because as a pastor, you're called to make sure that the people who do go to church continue to live in God's light. But as an evangelist or as a follower of God, you're called to reach the people who have never known God who don't know about him, that in your everyday life will see your character and want to be more like you, but you're just exemplifying his character. The blessing is not for you. It's you are the blessing for everyone else. I agree. All right. Okay. So I think that wraps everything up for this week. So, yeah. If you have any questions, feedback, anything that you want to tell us, you can email us at info.lessonsforyou at gmail.com. And we are on Facebook and YouTube and Spotify and all the places where you listen to podcasts. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Get the bell on. Stay in school. Stay in school. Stay in school. And actual school. Mm-hmm.